0: You are listening to Ukraine 242. We bring you interview subjects from all walks of life in wartime in Ukraine. Thanks to all our listeners around the world. Welcome to Ukraine 242. I am Ursula Rudenberg from Pacifica Network, filling in temporarily for your host, Anne Lavit. Today, we hear from a young person whose world has been completely changed by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. He started out as a YouTube content creator in Russia who simply wanted to introduce his Russian culture to the world with his channel called Zach the Russian. But events of the world overtook him when, as a student in Moscow, he protested the invasion of Ukraine, and in March 2022, he ended up fleeing to the Independent Republic of Georgia, where he now lives in Tbilisi, that country's capital. He works as a YouTube personality to protest the war, advocate for Ukraine's independence, and give voice to Russians who are calling for a democratic and peaceful Russia. He offers insider information on how the war affects Russians, and he hopes, with his YouTube channel and its following, to further communication and understanding. He speaks to us from Belisi, where he is currently living, as do other Russians who have fled
1: thank you ursula for having me here today and hello the listeners yeah my name is zach which is uh, more of a americanized version of my real russian name which is zahar i'm 21 years old russian originally i was born in the far east of russia the city of komsomolsk on a it's not a huge city it's about 200,000 people and what's interesting about that city is actually that the main factory of the city is a factory that produces military jets, and those jets that actually bomb Ukraine. And I spent 17 years in the Far East. When I turned 18, I entered the university in Moscow. And then, when I turned 20, I went to the US as an exchange student because I won a scholarship by the American Embassy in Moscow. And I went there to spend half a year in the American University, and once I came back to russia in january 2022 came back to moscow and i just moved in in a new apartment and the war started so after the war started 24th of february i went to the protests in moscow at one point i almost got arrested six policemen were chasing me at the same time in moscow on the first day of the war and i left russia on the 3rd march to Azerbaijan, and then to the Belisi, Georgia, which is a post-Soviet republic, but right now it's an independent country, and you know, it's really wonderful. And so, yeah, I live nine months. When Belisi is the capital of uh, Georgia, and there are so many Russians right now staying in Georgia.
0: About two months ago, you made a video of yourself on a hill with the city of Belisi in the background, and you were burning your Russian military papers. It's called burning my Russian military service registration certificate.
1: One of the reasons why i made this video is because of the mobilization which started in russia in september 2022 it's actually interesting in russian language we got this word "magila," which is basically a grave and some people are calling mobilization as which means graving if we can say that so basically just killing people people were running from this to Georgia, to Armenia, to Kazakhstan, to many of the post-Soviet republics. And so many Russians came to Georgia, and I just felt that there should be a video showing that those Russians who are fleeing, they are against this mobilization. The video, it was quite spontaneous, and I was actually going to make it on the sunset, so it's going to be my burning military certificate with a background of Tbilisi. The main purpose is just to show, as a symbol, that those Russians who flee Russia, they don't want to be the slaves of Putin in this bloody war. They don't want to kill Ukrainians. So I just felt I need to make it, yeah.
0: In the video, there's an expression of sadness that passes over your face when you're doing it. I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if you remember that and, and what that was about.
1: That's an interesting mentioning. I wouldn't say I was really sad about what I did. I just felt really bad for people in Ukraine and in Russia at the same time, who just had to leave everything behind, to leave to nowhere without any kind of plan.
0: When you heard the announcement of the mobilization, how did that affect you?
1: I felt really afraid for my friends, because I'm only 21, I got a bunch of young men, like male friends, who are still in Russia. in so many different regions of Russia, because they are that kind of people who are against the war for the most part. And the first thing I actually did, I started to call them. Those days were emotionally really hard, when the mobilization in Russia started, I believe the first three days in a row, I just didn't sleep, literally. I was trying to help my friends to get out, to plan to apply for the international passport, and. You know, it was such a disaster. I got so many people whom I didn't even know personally, who texted me like, oh, hey, Zach, I'm a friend of a friend of your friend. Can I please stay at your house for at least couple of nights? Because we have no plans. And the first couple of weeks of mobilization, I believe I hosted about four families and one young guy who were fleeing mobilization. And there was even a family of the cat They were trying to leave Russia with a cat, just running away from mobilization. And it was really hard emotionally to see that. Um, I wouldn't say that when I was filming that video, I felt really sad. I just felt that there is so much going on. And yeah, maybe later I can be thinking that that video was a mistake. But I felt that, you know, I just got to make it to show that those Russians who come to Georgia in such big amounts, they are against the war. Most of them for sure.
0: And like you've explained, you're actually not part of the wave of people who left because of the mobilization. You left when the war started, which is a wave of immigration that we have heard very little about. When you left Russia, did you ever think that this moment would arrive, an announcement of the mobilization?
1: yeah yeah absolutely oh, you did. yeah so i'll just explain what i was thinking was going to happen when the war started 24th of february when i woken up when i found out that putin started at war and i was thinking that mobilization is going to start in like a week i didn't even read all the news which were like about the war i just went right away to the atm to withdraw all my money because i was thinking the next day of this war they're gonna freeze all the money of the people so especially if it's the bank account in u.s dollars and i just came back from the u.s i still got some savings in the u.s dollars so i just went to withdraw it right away and i was pretty lucky because later in two days there were huge uh, crowds of people to withdraw uh, the money and many of my friends who were withdrawing in let's say five days especially if we're speaking about u.s dollars or euros they got big problems with withdrawing mm-hmm. it So I came back to my apartment and I started to read the news about the war. I've spent, I believe, about straight five hours of reading news and watching all of those videos with Russian, you know, machines, tanks and everything on the territory of Ukraine. And I just couldn't believe my eyes. And at the end of the day, I was just thinking, okay, what do we do? Like the war started. We need to go and protest. But. It was interesting that that day, I guess, everyone was so shocked that there was no organization. Usually, at some protests in Russia, there are some organizations, like the Navalny team, we call them Febaka, usually they organize protests. But that day, people were thinking, okay, where are we going to protest? When is going to be the protest? At what time? So. Somehow, most of the people went to Pushkinskaya Square at 7 p.m. I texted some of my friends and we decided to go together, a group of four, and we headed over there with our group of people, but before 7 p.m., Actually, Pushkinska Square was absolutely blocked by policemen from all the direction. And the metro station, which was blocked by the police and everyone who was leaving this metro station, they were arrested right away. Even those who were not the protesters, <laughs> just people who lived there right by, by mm-hmm. they were uh, all checked and most of them, they were arrested. And we already seen a column of the protesters who were going not to the Pushkinskaya Square, but in the opposite direction, away from the Pushkinskaya Square. And we joined them and the only slogan that was chanted by this group was just no war. That's the only thing that people wanted that day, that there's gonna be no war with any other countries, with Ukraine. And you know, we only was part of that column for five minutes. And then the policemen started to surround us. And at one point we had to run to the narrow streets of old Moscow and at some point I was running away from six policemen at the same time. It was really hard, especially emotionally. And after I almost got arrested by the police, I came back home and I just couldn't fall asleep that night because I was thinking that in a couple of days they are going Mm -hmm. to arrest me for participating in the protest. You know, Moscow is one of those cities that has so many cameras everywhere in moscow it's like china in a way you know it's everywhere and i was thinking that they are going to track all of the protesters and they already did that in 2018 in 2019 so i was really paranoid and if they arrest me what would it mean for me first it would mean that i would be expelled from my university because you know if you participate in the protest and your university gets to know about it you are expelled because, like, 99% of uh, universities in Russia are government university, not private universities. And after I would get expelled from my university, it would mean that I would be eligible for the conscriptional army. They will start to send conscripts to the war in Ukraine. And I would end up somewhere under Kiev, you know, with an AK, having no choice rather than to shoot. At somebody so i was really paranoid the next day 25th of february i was teaching a lesson of russian language because i teach russian language to some of my subscribers from my youtube channel and at one point somebody knocked at our apartment's door and my roommate he came to me and he started to say zach this is for you i didn't know what to do and it was in the middle of a class my student was kind of shocked what is going on because i was really paranoid that those are policemen and the first steps, I was thinking, okay, I'll just jump out of the balcony and run away. And it's, it was February, so there was so still snow in, uh, in Moscow. Uh, so we think I'll just jump in the snow and run away. But I, I was not quite sure about it. So I, I ended up running to the balcony and, and just laying down on the balcony. And if they won't see me in any of the two bedrooms, they'll just leave. So I was laying in that balcony for a couple of minutes. And then I just noticed that my friend just you know, looking at the balcony from the inside of our apartment, it's like, Zach, what are you doing there? <laughs> what is going on? So I was, you know, it appeared to be just a friend of mine who was visiting. I didn't know that he's going to visit. So that kind of shows how paranoid I was that they're going to track me down. And yeah, so I was thinking, OK, since I do my YouTube channel in English about Russia and I was planning to make videos about Moscow in details in English once I'm back from the US, how the hell am I going to make those videos about how Moscow is beautiful, about that architecture, while there are so many people are dying in Ukraine because of Moscow. So overthinking being in Russia and speaking out against the war in Russia, if you are a YouTuber, it's uh, it's a suicide. You'll be arrested in a month, or if you are going out to the public, let's say to some kind of like a square, you're gonna be arrested right away, and you can be sentenced up to 10 years so uh i'll just need to leave so i'm not going to be paranoid all the time that the police are going to get me at some point just for my mental health because you know being paranoid all the time is it really affects you i just felt like i needed to leave because of those reasons but mostly just so i could do something to help to stop it or to show that there are still russians who are against it because doing that and being in russia is not possible and i had to kind of stop all my life all my plans and to to leave russia yeah so that's why i left to firstly baku azerbaijan on the third of march a little bit later than a week since the war started and then belisi georgia
0: and how old were you then
1: uh i was 20 20 years old
0: it's a big story, isn't it? I mean, you started out being a YouTuber, basically doing live streams of showing your travels and introducing people to Russia, and all of a sudden this became such a big story. We have a rite of passage for you as you, you literally leave your life behind you.
1: Yeah. One year ago, when I was still in the US, and I remember it was a Halloween night, and I was making myself a costume for the Halloween livestream, a scary costume. And I made myself a mask of Putin. As a joke, but at the same time, I kind of shown, look, uh, I don't think that guy is like the greatest guy. You know, uh, a mask of a monster one year ago. But recently, (laughs) when it was a Halloween, I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. this year it's it's just not appropriate anymore
0: your videos start out with you just uh, somebody who wants to share his world and then it turns into something that i don't think you could have expected either right
1: yeah um, i never expected to make political videos most russians actually treat the politics as the weather like today's weather is okay okay good today the weather is bad well tomorrow is going to be good so that's how most russians treat politics So before the war started, my YouTube channel was absolutely different, it was just vlogs of me firstly making videos about my hometown, then like some cultural aspects of life in the Far East of Russia, then I was traveling around the US, I was just showing my life, my travelings, but once the war started, my YouTube channel, my project absolutely turned upside down, and uh, so I was always thinking yeah I'll need to show my position on politics because it's part of our lives it affects us I just feel like unfortunately there are not so many Russians on the YouTube who do the anti-war content and what is happening in Russia in English so if it's not me then who that's what I was thinking when I started why do you
0: feel like it's important to explain this in English?
1: To show that there are still some russians out there who are actually against the war and those who are not like let's say fascists as uh, right now the most of the world understands russians so it's just really important also not to dehumanize every single russian not treating them by their nationality so that's also one of the reasons why i keep doing my youtube channel just to show that you know not every russian is is a fascist
0: You are listening to Ukraine 242, a program exploring the people and events surrounding the war in Ukraine. Zach the Russian is a YouTube content producer and personality who describes his life as a young person who fled Russia due to the war. He is speaking to us from Belize in the Republic of Georgia. I'm Ursula Rudenberg from Pacifica Radio. Can you help us understand a little bit the relationship between Russians and the military? We hear the word reservist. We hear the word conscript.
1: It's quite confusing, I understand. So before the war, there was, as you mentioned, conscripts, the men aged from 18 to 27 who have to serve in the military for one year. It's everybody, but there are some ways to postpone it. The first way of doing it is to get into the university. And actually one of the reasons why I entered the university was just to avoid conscriptional army because Russian conscriptional army is some kind of like slavery. You don't really do anything useful and interesting there. There are so many stories when conscripts, they were just building a house for some officer or just as janitors. So usually conscriptional army is what people try to avoid in Russia. I mean, it's Russia, nobody cares about law, but still, in theory, by law, it's prohibited to send conscripts to the military actions. Okay. So, our officials, they were saying that conscripts are not being sent to the war. As they say, the territory of the special military operation, they don't say war. <laughs> yeah, so they said it's not happening, but there were still cases when there were dead bodies found by the 20 years old boys who were serving the conscriptional army, but they ended up in Ukraine. But so, it's not really massive
0: so who were the soldiers that went into ukraine originally
1: originally it was a professional army a private army yeah
0: so when the mobilization happened who were those people then was that like what do we call a draft in the united states
1: you know in russia it's always like okay if it's something bad but we don't want to call it it's only partial draft is not draft but partial mobilization the people who got mobilized are the people who served in the conscriptional army. But once they left the conscriptional army, they became so-called reservists. And reservists are those people who are being eligible for mobilization. They got not military experience, but serving as a conscript in, like, let's say, 20 years ago. So those are the usual people who work daily jobs, but they got that experience of serving in the conscriptional army. Those were the people who were mobilized after 21st of September.
0: I was wondering if I could ask you a little bit more about the military. Sure. You explained in one video that you are from where the army came from that so infamously occupied Bucha. Can you give us some insight into how they ended up being able to commit those kind of atrocities? What was the culture that allowed them to do that?
1: The thing is that all the Russian army is full of people who are really affected by the criminal culture which is called Aoye and that culture Aoye is basically a heritage ancestry of the far eastern territories because the far east in the soviet times there were so many gulags like prisons located in the soviet times and once the soviet union collapsed there were so many people who were freed from the prisons so they were killers the maniacs they were just let to go free once the Soviet Union collapsed, and those people really affected the culture in the Far East, so it's a criminal culture. I remember some of my classmates, young boys, they were saying that, yeah, I want to become a thief in the future. And most of those people who are in the army are not the boys who want to study and get some successful life, those are the people who had to go to the army because they got no other options of making money. Those are the people who were, for the most part, affected by the criminal culture, which makes you cruel and, you know, able to kill.
0: Well, thank you for the explanation. Can we talk a little bit about your process as a Russian yourself? You've used a word called an oppositioner. (laughs) It's a very descriptive word. You were not always an oppositioner. Did you once see Russia as a strong country and feel patriotic towards that?
1: Um, I was still a kid. In 2014, Russia annexed Crimea, and I was totally under propaganda, and I just followed what my parents say, and especially what the TV says. And in 2014, when Crimea started, I was so happy because, you know, Russia returned to historical territories as everyone was saying, yeah, finally Crimea is back home.
0: One of the images that we know is this image of Putin riding a horse without a shirt on. Did you mm-hmm. see that image when you were a child?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd say that when I was young, seeing that your country is being led by a strong guy and he used to serve in KGB and he was sent to germany he knows german language as his advantage and he used to do a martial art so yeah especially since i was brought up by women i didn't really have a father figure in the family <laughs> so of course you see like this guy say saying in, Ru- in russian because moves uh, is like uh, a man a big man of course me and my family we always were thinking yeah russia such a great country and it's the biggest country in the world and also the the second world war they always promoted as look we did that if it was not us you would be all that they always promote that idea that we are the saviors and the whole world should be thankful
0: when you grew up did you see ukraine as part of russia
1: that's actually quite interesting question. When I was growing up, some of Russians, they don't even understand where the borders are of Russia. Previously, Soviet Union was huge and most of Russians, if, if you would say like, Oh, Kishinev is part of Moldova and not Russia, they'll be like, Oh, really? I was thinking differently. So, yeah, that's actually a really interesting question. I believe before age of like 15 or 16, I was thinking, oh, Kharkiv, it's actually a Russian city. I mean, it's located by the border of Russia, but when you're growing up in the Russian propaganda, you don't really think about it as part of the independent country. Most of Russians actually hate Americans more than Ukrainians. They think that, okay, Ukrainians are actually like the same as us. Mm So. I think most of Russians, they still think we're just liberating the Ukrainian people from the control of the US. We're just fighting against this puppet regime of the US in Ukraine.
0: You're a young person, you're just entering into your adulthood. Obviously, you are the future. What can you really visualize for yourself and your country?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's going to be really, really sad for me and for those Russians who left if Putin going to rule Russia for, let's say, more than 20 years. But if Ukraine were capable of becoming more democratic, if Baltic states, they were able to do that, if Georgia was able to do that, I believe Russia also is possible to become a democratic state. So I hope I'm going to be able to see that in my life and able to use my knowledge. To help russia to build a democratic society the country that respects rights of human beings that follows the law and international law well that's when i'm going to to come back to russia yeah
0: do you feel a sense of responsibility as a russian for what's happening in ukraine
1: yeah sure absolutely every day when i wake up in like 10 minutes i realize oh the war I'm being here because of the war, because my country started the biggest war in Europe against Ukraine in the 21st century. I, I really feel responsible, yeah. And then I, I remember when I was 18, 17, I was studying the history of the Second World War, I was always thinking, what were the feelings of the people who were fleeing Nazi Germany? What would they feel fleeing to another country? And I didn't even realize that I will get to feel the same feelings in my life uh, pretty soon.
0: As I understand it, you've been doing some volunteer work in Georgia.
1: Yeah, I was volunteering in the volunteering center organized by Russians. Mostly that's a food bank for Ukrainian refugees. They also host some of the Ukrainian refugees who just came to Georgia from the occupied territories of Ukraine. And I was volunteering there for a month. But then the founders explained to me that I can do more by doing my YouTube channel. So I've decided to make a video for them. And we fundraised really big amount of money for a small YouTube channel like like mine. And I did fundraisers on my YouTube channel for other people. One of them was a Ukrainian girl named Sofia in the city of Militopol, which is still being uh, under occupation of Russia. So she could leave. I also did a fundraiser for Russian political activist Luba.
0: How do you support yourself in Georgia?
1: Revenue from YouTube. Also some people, they just want to support what I do and uh, even before the war started i was teaching russian to some of the followers who just wanted to learn the language unfortunately not every single person who stands against the war has community so i really i'm really thankful to my subscribers it's really great to have that community around me really supportive really really supportive of me and ukraine and i'm really happy that you know so many people around the world support ukraine and against that aggression of russia yeah and at some point actually i really hope that I'll be able to have that chance to come back to Russia and to film a democratic and peaceful country which doesn't attack its neighbors, to show my community on YouTube that it's not only about invading uh, neighbors.
0: If somebody wants to see your videos, where would somebody look to find you?
1: You can go either on Google or on YouTube directly and you can just type Zag the Russian and Zach with a CK, not CH. Or Instagram, I post daily about the news that comes from Russia. Uh, And also you can Google Russia tomorrow as a news channel focusing on the war in Ukraine. And yeah, thank you, Ursula, for having me. It's really important for me that people give me the opportunity to show that Mm -hmm. not every single Russian is pro-war, not empire.
0: What message would you like to end this interview on?
1: Hope the war will end soon. I hope that Ukraine will get all the territories that was occupied by Russia back. And the more this war goes, the harder it gets to keep myself humanitarian about, let's say, the destiny of Putin. So, yeah, I just hope that this whole madness stops. Ukraine gets back the territories. And yeah, thanks once again for giving me the opportunity to show my position.
0: Thank you so much. And be safe.
1: Yeah, you too. Take care.
0: Bye. You have been listening to Ukraine 242. I am Ursula Rudenberg at Pacifica Radio, temporarily standing in for your regular host, Anne Levine. Many thanks to Zach the Russian, YouTube personality. Zach hopes with his YouTube channel to promote understanding and to provide an alternative vision. You can find his many descriptive productions at his YouTube channel called Zach the Russian. That's Z-A-C-K the Russian. If you'd like to send a message to the Ukrainian people, please call 510-883-3115. Your message will be translated and broadcast to 26 cities across Ukraine. Again, that's 510-883-3115. Until next time on Ukraine 242, I thank you for listening.